Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. Banking services debit card provided by Bancorp, Bank NA, or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hello, and welcome to Next on Washington Post Live, where we take a closer look at rising changemakers. I'm Dave Jorgensen, senior video reporter and TikTok guy here at The Post. My guest today is the youngest winner of Thrasher Magazine's Skater of the Year Award, a recognition he's won twice. Tyshawn Jones, Jones, J- Jones joins me now to talk about his journey from skateboarder to entrepreneur. Tyshawn, welcome to Washington Post Live. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Good. Thanks. Thanks for being on here. I, I heard that you're coming uh, live from. Uh, is it? Are you in the Supreme headquarters? Are they? Are you there right now? Where are you at? Yeah, I'm in the Supreme office. <laughs> I love it. Great. I. <laughs> I think uh, I'm not the only person that's really jealous here right now, and that deal you have with them, which we'll get to all that later. Uh, but first, you are the reigning Thrasher Skater of the Year. 2022 was your second time winning this title, and you won back in 2018, making you the first black skater to win and also the first New Yorker to win. Uh, which of these first was more surprising to you? Uh, that's a good question. Um, probably the first from New York. Yeah, East Coast. That that was the first one for sure. Everyone. Well, I know it's like you're gonna uh you're the first from New York to do it. So that was cool for like, you know, the history of it. And then the second one, first black person to do it twice. That's obviously I don't know. They're they're neck and neck, they're equal. I won't put I mean, any above. I don't think so, you uh, need to. I think they're both they're both so impressive in their own way. And I was you know, I was kinda shocked. I obviously, you know, skateboarding kind of came from California to some extent, but, you know, I couldn't believe that you were the first New Yorker. Uh, do you have a lot of other people, uh, are there other New York skateboarders that you look up to, or are you are you the one that people look up to now? I don't know, I'll let them <laughs> tell it. But, yeah, it was a lot of, it was more like local guys growing up, while like, like, you know, kids you see in the skate park, or like, not kids, but the older dudes who were like in their 20s at the time, I'm probably, 13 and stuff i'm seeing them and they're like sponsor and they were nice to me and you know everyone was cool but i i, I really looked up to like uh california skaters and stuff yeah I'm, I'm curious if any of your skateboarding style comes from anyone you watched or if it's unique or it, you know as best you can can you sort of describe what your skateboarding style is I don't know. That's a hard question. It's just me. Like, I, I just get on a skateboard and try to do my thing. But growing up, I definitely like West Coast guys like Brian Herman and Andrew Reynolds and um, and Antoine Dixon and stuff. Like, I really like their skating growing up. So I definitely took my hat to them. Yeah, I think, that, I I think say, that's uh, go ahead. I'm not saying I like them. I said, I'm not saying I skate like them, though. But those are the people who I like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I think uh, it, it's very clear that you are your own person, your, your own skateboarder. And I actually have a video clip to prove it uh, because here in Bronx, New York, the city is generally full of people. And that doesn't seem to confine you, even though most skate parks confine people. So here's a video of you out in the street. Let's take a look at that. 
Okay, so first of all, how difficult is it to skate in New York or any city with all these people around? I look at that and go, <laughs> how is he avoiding them? I couldn't even avoid them if I was playing like, you know, Tony Hawk skateboarder. <laughs> Somehow you're weaving in and out of them. That's in Paris, actually. Not in New York. That's in Paris, that okay. Is, yeah, I was in Paris. I was just out there like a week and a half, two weeks ago. Uh, I don't know. I like the energy. It makes it more fun when people are around and like you get to swerve them and stuff like that. Or like people are watching. It just, I think it gives it more of an energy and it feels like you're interacting with everything around you. You know, I feel like a skate park, not, not necessarily, but like a skate park is more like just skaters, but being a skater around, just like normal people going about their day and stuff. And then they stop and they're like, whoa, because they're like, that's like not something I see generally, not saying for me, but just a skateboarder, period. I think that that's cool. So like, I don't mind yeah. people. You know, I, I think uh, I think I get it where it's it's a little bit you don't mind the people. And also, I think to, it's it sounds like you get the energy off of the crowd, whether they're, you know, at a skate park or just walking down the street. Yeah, I feed off the energy. I think that's for New York and you know, the wildness, the cars, whatever. I, I like that. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it makes more fun. Do you, do you have a preference between the two of skating on the street or, or skating in a park? I like skating in a park. It's fun um, when I want to like learn a trick. But um, I really like just skating in the street. You know what I'm saying? Because that's where it counts the most. But parks are cool too. Uh, I've seen many videos of you in, in preparation for this interview, uh, but one of them is jumping over just just trash cans just upright. Typically, those are on their side, but you're like, I can just I can get right over that trash can. Uh, why <laughs> is that something you've just always been able to do? I mean, again, it's like it's like I'm watching a video game when I when I watch the clips of you. Do you is that just uh, does that come naturally? <laughs> um, I don't even know how to trash can thing came about like i'm trying to like you know you asked me that the first thing that came my mom was like when did i first start skating trash can i don't know like i don't know maybe i think we're just there one day and pulled it out and just started skating and yeah but i like trash cans they fun but i don't want to skate them no more because i don't want to be a one trick pony you know what i mean but yeah i, I think they ran their course but it was fun i, I still escaped for fun huh? I don't think I would film on it. Right. Yeah. Like if you, you know, you see a French trash can too, especially a couple weeks ago. I'm sure you're jumping over that that too. <laughs> uh, you know, you said you're not a you're not a one trick pony, and that's very clear. Uh, you know, because we live in this influencer influencer culture where brand ambassadors they get paid for promoting items on their social media that they got for free, and then you're gaining popularity. So you have all these different things that you're doing all at once. But I also read that sometimes in the past or maybe currently you still turn down free skateboards uh, tell me about that and, and why you're sometimes turning those down free skateboards yeah that's what i read are you are you, you maybe i'm wrong <laughs> i never heard that one i mean i got my own skateboard thing so they are free essentially well i gotta pay for <laughs> you know uh no i mean i don't know I don't know, maybe in the past I've turned on a free skateboard. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, listen, like like I said, you have so much going on. I, I don't even know where I'd begin uh, in whatever is coming your way, including probably a lot of free skateboarders. But one of the things going on, uh, like we said, you're in the Supreme offices right now. You have worked with Supreme, Adidas. Now you have your own brand, King. 
Um, you know, I, th there's a lot of those boards, they have like MLK Jr. They've got Michael Jackson on them. I'm kind of sensing a theme here. Can you tell me a little bit of the story behind your brand and the decisions going into uh, what goes on the boards and things like that? Um, yeah, uh, so King to me is just like, it's not like, I think some people are taken aback by the, um, the name because they're like King. They might think that like, it's like an ego thing or nothing, but I think like king is like an endearing term, and you know, it's like I call my friends, yo, king, or I think my mom's a king, or your mom's a king. They carried us in their stomach for nine months. You know, king, anyone could be a king, you know. So I just like that that word, and I think it it resonated just like with me and all my friends, and like you know, it's a word we use, and I was like, it'd be cool to name some king and. You know, for the first graphic, we wanted to use Manson Moose. So it was an ancient king, obviously, like an ancient black king. And then Zach, another friend of mine, he um, he got a Midas deck, which is a king. And Knox's board was a, is the universal flag, which is a flag that he was raised with. So, you know, it's just... It's fun, you know, putting these things together. My MLK King, it makes sense. Michael Jackson, you know, they called him the King of Pop. People think that I use that because um, I like jumping over things, but no, I really like Michael Jackson's music. That's one of my favorite artists. And I thought like the photo of him was cool with the crown and everything. So yeah, but yeah, so. Yeah, I dig it. I, I uh, I'm aspirationally now I want to see if <laughs> I just want to be called King. I think between that and, and boss, those are the words. If someone says King or boss to me, I'm like, oh, I've done something right here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I think I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Now you, you mentioned your mom, uh, definitely a King for everything that she does, uh, including uh, working with you at your Caribbean restaurant. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that restaurant, the name, especially, I have a lot of questions, but just tell me about that restaurant when you opened it up. Uh, tastes so good. It's in the Bronx where I grew up, and uh, the opportunity just presented itself, and I wanted to give back to the community. And me and my mom thought it'd be dope to bring some to the community where we, you know, I grew up skating, and you know, I got to do decent for myself, and I wanted to bring some cool food to the area. But yeah, it's fun, you know, being able to work with my mom. She's crazy and all right, but very cool. Man. <laughs> and um, yeah, just bringing food to the community and trying to do the right things, you know? Yeah. How did, how did that come to be where from the, from the moment you started the restaurant, was it, I want my mom to be helping me out with this or was it later on or, you know, what's, what's that working relationship like uh, with her? She actually, uh, I was out of town and she was like, Hey, I seen a place for rent. Like, uh, we should try to get it. So then when I came back, I mean, she was calling it when they answered. But then uh, when I came back, I called the guy answering me. So I set up an appointment and um, sorry, I set up an appointment and then it worked out and it was me and my mom. Me and my mom's been like, you know, we work on a lot of things together. She's like my partner who's, you know, not on my payroll, but <laughs> she's my partner. <laughs> she helps me. Anything I call her for, she'll give me her opinion and stuff like that. But yeah, it's fun working with her. She's cool, obviously. And I'm unbiasedly, she's a really good cook. People love her food. So yeah, I'm trying to open up a new one right now, trying to find a location, but you know, everything has its yeah. perks. 
is it this one is the uh oh. is the new one gonna have the same name uh and, and uh, to be clear for our audience the the full name is taste so good make you want to smack your mama well the new one have that name and can you tell us more uh you know the the backstory to that subtitle of the restaurant for the people who don't know that's from a movie so it's a reference from a movie and friday after next if you watch that movie you'll see where that name came from that's one of my favorite movies growing up so I thought it would be funny to just name uh, the restaurant that little skit from the movie. But yeah, um, when I move it, I think I'm going to drop the make you want to smack your mama. But uh, it would just call it taste so good. I think, you know, I'm down for any niche movie reference in any capacity. So I I, <laughs> I appreciated that one. I, I don't know how many people walking in get the reference, but, you know, it certainly doesn't make me forget yeah. the name of the restaurant. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's working. It, if you know, you know. Exactly, exactly. Uh, okay, so another, you know, I mentioned you're not just a one-trick pony. You got so many things going on. Not that skateboarding wouldn't be enough. It certainly is. But you're skateboarding, you're running a restaurant, and you're also modeled. You've been on the cover of Thrasher magazine, and I read, and I don't know if you were serious or not when you said this, but that you really want to be on the cover of Vogue. Is that true? And 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 tell me why that is, if so. <laughs> I didn't say I really want to be, but I, I think that would be cool or different. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I think that would be dope. I don't know if a skater has ever been on a cover of Vogue. Like, I don't know. I like fashion stuff, too. I like clothes. I did, um, what is it, ID Magazine and, you know, things outside the skateboard world. So I think uh, Vogue is a really respected fashion magazine. And I was like, that would be cool if, you know, I'd be able to get a cover of Vogue one day. You never know. I think that'd be, crossed. Yeah, I think that's that's a great. Uh, I I support that. I don't I don't to my memory, and I'm not a huge. I don't know everything about Vogue, but I don't think there's been a skateboarder. Uh, would would you do? Uh, would you go to the Met Gala? Perhaps. Don't speaking of that, don't quote us on that on that one. But we we don't know for sure. It might be. What did you say? Okay. I, I I won't quote you, but uh, you know, kind of in the fashion world, would you ever do something like the Met Gala? Is that something too that you, you know, like just kind of branching out and and uh, you know, doing these other things? I mean, if I got invited to somebody's table, I'd experience it for sure. <laughs> but I like to dress casual, but uh, you know, I'd rock a suit or so or something crazy. Not crazy. But yeah, I I th I feel like. Seeing a skateboarder walk the, you know, the red, whatever they call the red carpet there, I, I feel like that would be a, that'd be pretty fun to watch. I'd be into that. Uh, okay, so you know, kind of get into your, your clothing brand now too. We have again, there's so many different aspects here to cover. Uh, you know, obviously most people are familiar. The NBA players, they have there's the Jordans, there's Kobe, Hyperdunks, all this stuff. Uh, despite being a different sport, why was it important for you to have your own shoe in skateboarding? Um. Honestly, I was just honored to, you know, be given the opportunity to make one. But, um, I mean, I always, obviously, it's a dream growing up to get a shoe and to be able to work on a shoe. And um, when Adidas presented it, that I would be able to get one and make one, I was obviously ecstatic. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a pivotal thing that you want to reach in your career if you're able to. So I'm just blessed that, you know, I was able to be able to make two shoes at this point. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that. And we just so, remastered the shoe and um, changed it up a little bit. It's the same shoe, but, you know, we made it a little bit better. So I'm excited about that, too. 
is that shoe is that shoe out now coming out or uh what's what's the plan for that one i think they just launched it today actually so yeah if you're watching this (laughs) good timing (laughs) uh okay i you know i from from my perspective i feel like you've already evolved uh skateboarding in your own way like from the very top we talked about you kind of have your own unique style um, do you feel like there is a next evolution for skateboarding? Where do you see skateboarding as a sport going in the future? I always wonder that. Like, I always wonder. I don't know. It's hard to say. I have these conversations with my friends because I feel like skateboarding is so, you know, it's so complex that, like, you have to skateboard to understand it. So, like, for the normal person, coming down the street or to someone who doesn't really like know skateboard culture they just see it as like he jumped and the board is moving or somewhere like baseball or like a basketball or something like that it's kind of easier to dissect so i wonder if it ever reached that real mainstream level where you know what i'm saying because skateboarding is kick right the jolly straight but like you have to skateboard to understand what any of that really means you know everyone knows what maybe like holly is or whatever so but like the the average mind could wrap their heads around like throwing a ball in a hoop or hitting a, a ball with a bat. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not downplaying those sports, but I'm just saying it's a little bit more, you know. And and, and skateboarding yeah. is a uh, is a solo is a solo thing. You know, it's not really like a team. So me and my friends always talk like, damn, do you think skateboarding would ever be like? universal like could be on a like a big stage like that like but, I mean, but it made it to the olympics so who knows like I'm, I'm excited to see where it really goes you know what i'm saying and i want I, I wonder if i'll see it firsthand while i'm still active or is that 30 years down the line you know you know i don't know yeah he's a thing no like, i totally uh, i didn't want to interrupt you i think i i totally like you know from again from my sort of outside perspective i feel like i see skateboarding come in blips every few years where there's like a big movie or like you know tony hawk or whatever that is but it, it hasn't I, i'm interested to see if it really becomes mainstream i think one one way it could uh it you know is a sort of something that you were working on earlier and i, I don't know if this is still happening but you said you shot a pilot for a tv show uh you know that mm-hmm. that's one way to make something more mainstream is that something that's still in the works is that something you still hope to do uh and and tell me about that tv show in general um the tv show but that's the thing it's not about skateboarding for those i didn't really put any context when i posted it but i mean i put i just shot a pilot i included myself for proof of concept and because it's easier easy to get me there (laughs) than to try to get someone else maybe and it uh ferg's my friend so you know i asked him to do it but um the, the idea of the show is bringing two people together from two different worlds and having them switch roles for the day. So it's like, you know, and it's called I Bet I Could Do That. Um, because I feel like a lot of people from the outside looking in think that, you know, that's easy or I could do that. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like someone might yeah. think they could do your job, be a reporter or a public speaker or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Or someone might think skateboarding is easy or someone might make, think making music is easy it's easy to judge from the outside looking in so i had this idea where i'm like it'd be cool to bring two people together they don't have to be famous one could be a chef one could be a construction worker you never know and have them swap roles for the day and um 
see the outcome naturally, not scripted, nothing, just, you know, have them come together and, you know, they switch roles for the day and see the outcome. But yeah, I shot that pilot, but I don't know. It's definitely uh, a different lane for me. I'm not like an actor or like have those types of connections with like Netflix or like the streaming um, services. So it's definitely like uncharted territory. So I'm trying to navigate. I thought about just maybe putting it on YouTube and seeing the seeing the feedback and then uh, keep making a few episodes and then you never know, maybe somebody would pick it up after that. Yeah. I, you know, I love that idea. And, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not an actor myself, but I feel like the best, the best transition when people come into that world are just people who they mean what they're talking about. And I think the idea you have here is so good. Uh, I would love to see that. I would love to see that uh, play out on screen. Maybe next time you're on live, you and I will switch places. I'll try to be a skateboarder. Uh, you can be a reporter. I think you're going to be much better than I am. <laughs> the different I the role swap. I won't be in every episode. I, just, I was just in the first one. It'll be different people every time. Okay, okay. All right. I, I, well, I hope it I'm, happens. <laughs> I'm playing the back. I really, uh, direct. <laughs> I, I think I think you could do it, whether you're directing, whatever that is. I'm 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 into it, so I'll be watching. But right now, we're out of time, so we're going to have to leave it right there. Tyshawn Jones, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And now from skateboarding to student loans, a natural, normal transition, uh, here to expand on the Supreme Court's recent decision to strike down President Biden's student loan forgiveness plans are national higher education reporter Danielle Douglas-Gabriel and deputy Poli politics editor for NextGen, Brianna Tucker. Danielle, Brianna, welcome to you both. Thank you. Hi, great Thanks to be here. here guys. Thank you. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about here with student loans, uh, a subject that a lot of people, including myself, are quite interested in. Um, last August, President Biden announced plans to eliminate up to $20,000 of federal student loan debt for borrowers who earned up to $125,000 annually. Danielle, can you very briefly explain why did the Supreme Court take issue with this plan? So shortly after the president announced the plan, there were myriad legal challenges. Two of them actually made it all the way to the Supreme Court. On the premise that the president did not have the authority to unilaterally enact a, such a sweeping and expensive plan without congressional support, the Supreme Court agreed. Uh, they struck down the program on the basis that this was far beyond what Congress had intended with the authority, the law that he used in order to move this uh, program forward. And so now the president has to start from scratch. This isn't dead. There is a second option that is moving forward, but that will likely face legal challenges as well. And Danielle, you uh, reported on the reactions from a lot of young people who were affected by this ruling. How are they feeling in the immediate aftermath? A lot of people are disappointed. I think there were some people who expected that this was going to be the outcome, given the conservative nature of the majority of the court. Also, just kind of given the amount of rancor that I think has sprung up in the, in the wake of the president's policy, while there were many people who were very supportive of it, really wanting to see um, folks who have loans, and not just young people, there are a lot of people who are middle-aged who also have loans from their own education or their children, but get some kind of relief. But there was it, it became a really divisive issue, and so I think people expected that this was going to go down the way that it did. Yeah, you know, uh, my other job with The Post making TikToks, I found that this subject is one of the most, if not the most important issue to uh, our relatively young audience. So with that 
Brianna, uh, Democratic lawmakers said the issue of student debt is important for bringing young voters to the polls to support Biden in the 2024 presidential election. Do you think his chances at a second term could be in jeopardy because of the ruling? Certainly. Um, you know, I think that for a lot of these Supreme Court decisions and the GOP lawsuits, Biden has made these promises to young voters, especially in his 2020 campaign, that he would get student loans uh, forgiveness, that he would focus on environmental issues. And a lot of those campaign promises have been blocked either by the Supreme Court or by a lot of Republican lawsuits in different states. And so I think a lot of voters that we've spoken to, and it's definitely in our reporting, that they are considering Biden certainly more so as a matter of survival and at least keeping some of the, the promises that he's made and his, his pitch to have a second shot at it, um, but also from another standpoint of the values that young voters care about. And young voters have recently and also in recent history heavily still voted Democratic, but I think they are still looking for the promises that they've been made by the Biden administration. So Danielle, uh, this promise that Biden very much wants to keep of student loan forgiveness, uh, how is he able to achieve it outside of the debt relief plan? So there is a federal process called negotiated rulemaking, whereby you convene experts in the field in order to come up with a draft proposal. Then there is a public comment period. And then after that, the, the rulemaking is finalized and the regulation comes to fruition. This is a lengthier process than what the president had originally envisioned. And I think that's a part of the reason why he did not do this in, to begin with. This is also uh, predicated on a completely different authority than what the president put forth before. Before he was using a statute that um, actually dates back to 9-11 that gave the education secretary some powers to kind of modify uh, student loans. The court struck that down. So now the president is using the Higher Education Act. Now the Higher Education Act actually supports most of the federal policy uh, around higher education, other debt relief programs and such. So there are people who think that this might be a stronger path for the president, but there are equally others, a number of others, who say that this will likely meet the exact same fate because legal challenges are brewing already, even though there the negotiated rulemaking is just at its beginning stages. So, you know, the president says he's not going to give up the fight, but it's not an easy fight at all. Is this, Danielle, is this a fight that, you know, based just total guessing, do you feel like it's going to be going on for a long time, uh, even if Biden were reelected? Is this something that's going to drag out a while or is this something that might be resolved within the next year? I could foresee with if there are legal challenges, valid, valid ones that do make it to the court, Supreme Court or, you know, who do make it to just the, the basic levels of the court, uh, that this could be dragged out for a long time. The negotiated rulemaking at its earliest, that probably wouldn't wrap up until late next year. And once we have that, I imagine the lawsuits are going to flood in. And, you know, the legal system is not exactly the fastest in this country. So I could see if Biden is elected that this would drag into the next term. Brianna, we were talking earlier about, you know, how this is obviously quite prevalent to younger people who generally vote democratic, democratic, democratic. Wow. Uh, but how does this cut across different generations, young and old? Is this an issue that, you know, uh, is important to everyone? Um, well, it, it's really not as unpopular as many may think. I think when it comes to the actual decision of the Supreme Court, which is about whether Biden actually has the power to forgive student loans unilaterally, um, that is different than the public opinion about whether or not his plan is a good idea. And his plan actually, in recent polling, has showed that it was pretty split. 43% um, in a Reuters Ipsos poll thought that it was a good idea, and 41% thought it was not. 
Um, but I have had a lot of reporters and a lot of our work that we've been doing so far shows that there is this you know, discussion or debate about having a cycle of student loans. There's also a lot of nuance about whether it is the loans per se as an issue, but also just affordable tuition and looking at ways to have um, easier options to higher education without uh, necessarily negating all loans. Uh, Danielle, can you talk to me about the new income-based repayment, repayment plan called SAVE, S-A-V-E? Sure. So this is by far the most generous repayment plan that uh, any administration has ever issued, whereby the other income-driven plans, these are payment plans that tie your monthly payment to a percentage of your disposable income, right? So in the past, most of these plans would be about 10% of your disposable income, which is has been about 150% above the poverty line. This new plan puts it at 225% above the poverty line. So more of the income that you make is protected from the calculation that sets your monthly rate. In addition to that, if you have loans that are under $12,000 and it's just for your undergraduate degree, you can get loan forgiveness after 10 years of making qualifying payments uh, through this plan, whereas before it would be 20 years. So that's a huge difference. And you would be paying 5% of your discretionary income as opposed to 10%. For folks who have graduate loans, and keep in mind, a lot of the debt that exists right now in the federal portfolio are for graduate programs. For those folks, it would be about 10% of their discretionary income at that 225 above poverty line level. But it would also, if you have undergrad and grad loans, which many people do, uh, it would be a weighted average between the 5 and 10%. So still far more generous than what's available to folks right now. The plan doesn't go into place until, doesn't isn't fully implemented until July of next year. However, there are pieces of the plan, especially that uh, 20, 225% above the poverty line bit, which is really important for a lot of people, that goes into effect uh, this year. So worth getting to, to call your servicer if you have student loans, learn a bit more about this plan. Also figure out if this is not the right one for you, depending on your financial situation, see what else is available for you because payments are coming due in October. And I think there are a lot of people who have not looked at their account in a very long time. It can be scary to look at your bank account or any account. So I can I, I sympathize with those people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Brianna, kind of taking a step back and, and uh, addressing the Supreme Court again, uh, trust in the Supreme Court to do the right thing uh, has decreased significantly over recent years. Talk to us about how young people view the court and whether this decision will impact how young people regard the court moving forward. Sure. Well, historically, uh, younger voters, especially and Democrats and liberals, have viewed the high court as this institution that is going to protect their rights, that is going to protect marginalized people. But I think as we've seen the court be remade by Republicans, we've seen now a conservative 6-3 majority. There's a lot of concern about whether or not conservative activists or conservative um, you know, voters will have influence um, in how the court is making these decisions. And I think a lot of these, especially how it's played out with affirmative action, um, student loans, uh, the EPA, we're starting to see how uh, the, the court is having a major impact on a lot of voters. And a lot of voters that we've spoken to in our reporting are also showing that they're taking these decisions to the ballot. They're thinking about how they're going to vote in 2024, um, not you know just because of uh, these decisions, but also how they can protect um, the rights and the values and issues that are important to them in the future. 
Danielle, uh, you mentioned this a little bit earlier about the law that Biden was using. Uh, Supreme Court ruled that President Biden overstepped his authority by using the 2003 law, the one you mentioned, to offer student loan forgiveness. And he's now pivoting to that 1965 law to continue the fight. Can you tell me a little bit more about the difference between these two laws and why you know Biden may think that this will work better, this new approach? So while the 2003 law had a provision that allowed for waiver and modification, the Supreme Court ruled that it was limited in scope and Congress never envisioned anything quite on the scale of what Biden did. Now, the 1965, 1965 rule is a bit different because, like I said earlier, there are a lot of existing debt relief programs, including public service loan forgiveness, our defense to repayment, closed school discharge. All of those uh, debt relief programs are the authority comes from this 1965 law and it is wide or at least has been applied widely in scope which could uh, work to the benefit of the administration as they seek to use it for this particular program still you know borrowed defense repayment public service loan forgiveness certainly not on the scale of 400 billion dollars which was the price tag we were looking at before with the plan that the president initially rolled out so it's it's really it's dicey to see whether or not it's going to be as seamless as the administration is making it seem, but uh, I think it's worth watching. For sure, I'm watching that just like uh, our bank accounts, even if we don't want to. Uh, <laughs> Brianna, what's next as it pertains to Republicans? Have they offered? Has have Republicans offered any alternative solutions? Uh, not many. Um, it's important to lay out the facts that this is definitely an issue that is popular with Democrats and Democratic voters, and conservatives have a different politics about it. For conservatives, it's more so about fairness to borrowers who have paid off their student loans. Um, it's about fairness to Americans who picked career paths, who didn't go to college, um, and a lot of that comes down to what they call personal responsibility as well. Um, whereas for Democrats, it is about um, you know the, the next generation, how they can actually think through this cycle and make college affordability for all um, uh, a vision that they have. But um, so far, Republicans have actually uh, introduced the FAIR Act, which is certainly a little bit different than Biden's plan. Um, but this would kind of offer a, a couple different ways of deferment, especially through like active duty military, um, different forbearance options. But um, it, it is, even though it's maybe, um, you know, in a Republican-controlled House, it isn't something that I, I would expect Biden to um, uh, pass. Okay, I have, a, I have a question for both of you as best you can answer. We'll start with you, Danielle. Uh, for someone watching this right now and, and maybe freaking out a little bit about student loans, what is, is there anything you can say to them that might be more, might be somewhat reassuring given all the back and forth on, on these laws? Well, I would say this much, given the repayment plan landscape, it is a better time now to start repaying, to repay your loans than it would have been, say, a year or two ago. There are a lot more generous options that are a lot more flexible, depending on what your income is. And, uh, you know, I think the other thing that we didn't really mention, but even though this forgiveness plan didn't go through, there are other policies at play that, at, that the administration has been successful in implementing. The waiver on public service loan forgiveness helped millions of people get their loans forgiven. So they're not going to have to worry about it when repayments start. There's another thing called income-driven uh, repayment account adjustment. This is for people who have been paying for a really long time and really weren't seeing uh, any kind of student loan forgiveness under that one of those original IDR plans. And they may also see a huge reduction in their debt or complete wiped away or get closer to forgiveness. So there is hope out there. It's not all bad. There are a lot of repayment options. 
There is a lot of chances for other types of loan forgiveness. And I would really encourage people to take this time now to contact your student loan servicer. Don't wait until September or October. They'll be flooded with calls. You'll have a long wait time to get through to anybody. But if you call now, you have a better chance of figuring out what's the best plan for you. All right, that was very reassuring. Thank you. Uh, Brianna, do you have any words of, any reassuring words for the audience as well or any, anything else you'd like to add? I, I completely second what Danielle said about taking the time to um, updates. Um, and I, I fully agree with what Danielle said. I think we have some time, but it, earlier the better. Wonderful. And thanks to all of you for watching. We are just out of time. Danielle and Brianna, thank you both for joining me on Washington Post Live. Thanks thank for you. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.